Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to episode 16 of season 8 of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. So as usual, some quick social media stuff before we dig into this week's song. The Twitter polls seem to be picking up a little bit, and this week it was a surprisingly even split in terms of how you all rated All Right For Now. 27% of you rated it between a 1 and a 6, 45.5% went with a 7 to 9, and a further 27.3% rated it a top score, 10 out of 10. Uh, Will Porteous from Wildflower Records said, Love this track so, so much. Defo could feel this being on Wildflowers. It's got that close to the mic, deeply personal edge that Tom is so seminal at doing. And I agree that it's one of those songs in the catalogue where you, you really feel like you're just sitting across the coffee table from Tom and listening to him strum. At American Girl said, It's the first song I sang both of my children when they were born. This song will always be gold. So that's a pretty strong emotional attachment. Um, the Time Shifters podcast and Orphaned Entertainment commented that I've always loved this song. It feels so personal and sounds so lovely. It's a real gem hidden among so many other gems. A friend of the podcast and future guest at some point, Bob Reedy, commented, Seven, because it's a short song. I like it, but it's not one that I'm excited for. I always enjoy your analysis and your commentary. Thank you, Bob. Um, the first eight songs on this album are the best. And I love this comment from J.P. Kaufman, who rates the song an eight. Uh, he says, how he pulls off being such a cool rocker and puts out such unabashed, cheesy, heartfelt lullabies that the same rockers like me love uh, is nothing short of genius. The guy could sing with Millie Vanilli, and I would just think they are cool now, and Tom stays unblemished. Man, I can only imagine Tom's horror when, or if, he heard about the whole Millie Vanilli fiasco, or about modern rock bands playing to backing tracks instead of playing live. I'm sure that top lip would have been curled up into a snarl if he considered the very idea. Uh, Mary Beth Donnelly said, I just love this song. It's like medicine, very healing. So sweet, and yet not syrupy sweet, but sincere. I didn't really think of this song until my kids were well past infancy, but I sure wish I'd sung it to them. I love Funny Tom and Surly Tom, but love, love, love Sweet Tom. His voice here gives me a lump in my throat. I couldn't agree more with Mary Beth. Um, it's that thing I've talked about where Tom does sometimes, you know, he drops into this vocal mode where he's not putting any performative affectation on his vocal at all. So all you hear is his natural, this fully natural voice. And last but by no means least, my pal Pete Nestor from the Honest and Unmerciful Review podcast says, for now, is absolutely deliberate. That's a great observation. He could have said, my dear, or filled it with a guitar lick or some other kind of instrumentation, but for now, really just hits a perfectly unsettled and unresolved waiting for the other shoe to drop vibe. And I love that I'm not the only one who picked up on that line. I'm probably just really late to that particular party, but thanks for, uh, thanks for agreeing, Pete. Okay, well, that's enough social media, I guess, for now. Um, today's episode covers the penultimate track from side two of Full Moon Fever, A Mind with a Heart of Its Own. It's incredible that we're at this point already, as this marks the halfway point in terms of albums in Tom's career as a solo artist and with the Heartbreakers. Of course, I still have Mudcrutch and the Wilburys to go after that, as well as all the unreleased tracks that came out on box sets and as B-sides, etc. So I'm a long, long way away from running out of things to talk about. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I don't play any of the music from the song in the episode itself in order to avoid things like copyright issues or getting on the wrong side of the petty estate. But if you do want to give the song a listen before we dig into it, there's a link in the episode notes. Okay, hands up everyone who remembers listening to AM radio in their cars back when you were young. Lots of you, yeah, lots of you, me included. Well, 
This song has its roots in that particular pastime. As Tom tells author Paul Zolo in conversations with Tom Petty, Jeff and I were both in two cars driving to the studio. We used to listen to this AM station playing oldies. I heard Connie Francis singing My Heart Has a Mind of Its Own. I got out of the car and I said, did you hear that Connie Francis thing? He said, yeah, I just heard that. But what if you say that the other way? Then it means an entirely different thing. What a marvellous way to be inspired by simply considering the meaning of a phrase that just inverts the nouns to give it an entirely different perspective. Tom goes on to say, I kind of put that in the back of my mind and then the next day I came up with this Bo Diddley idea and then we knocked it out pretty fast. Now, I always assume that people know what the Bo Diddley beat is, but maybe you don't. Well, here's what it sounds like. That's the intro to Bo Diddley's self-titled song, Bo Diddley, performed live in 1999, 44 years after it was originally recorded. You might recognise that beat also as it's the basis for the very last song on the very first album that Tom and the Heartbreakers recorded, American Girl. The other place you might know this rhythm from is George Michael's mega-hit, Faith. That chug, a chug, a chug, a chug, chug. been around for a long time boys and girls and tom leans right into it in this song i love how heavy the opening of this song sounds though that opening slide from mike's uh sounds more like it's setting up a, a aerosmith or a van halen song than it does bo diddley but it's just a little rope-a-dope to set up that great beat again there's a ton of guitar here with tom's acoustic plus an electric and i'd be willing to bet it's a telecaster uh, providing the the diddley um you then get at least two other guitar parts sitting underneath that with mike adding some more slide and then a single sort of Bassy slide up on the fourth beat of, uh, of every bar. You then hear another part pan slightly right that's playing some, they're kind of like bright, broken chords. So, so there's, again, there's so much guitar in this track, and really, there wouldn't need to be, as this is a, a revved-up blues song that doesn't need to be so dense, but on this record, Jeff Lynne pulled out all the stops on guitars. The chord progression through the first verse is a really simple A, 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 G, D. And the chorus, the progression is the same, A, G, D, but played on the one, two, three in straight time instead of in that Bo Diddley beat. The chords here in the chorus are also full and open as opposed to that staccato and muted style um, played in the verse. And it provides just that little bit of dynamic change in this section of the song. You still have that acoustic playing double time in the background, but now the guitars are more in that sort of, what I would say, jangly sort of space. And that one, two, three beat timing and the big open chords would be revisited four years later on the wildly popular you Wreck Me. You could almost imagine You Wreck Me being played over a, a Bo Diddley beat, or even, you know, maybe just for a few bars in the middle section in, in, in concert just to shake things up. Um, this track also shares some melodic kinship with Hurt from the Heartbreaker's second album, so these little through lines and things that surface from time to time are always cool to observe, I think, in, in any artist's catalogue, including Tom's. The chorus simply repeats the title line, A Mind with a Heart of Its Own, with the harmonies added on the words Mind and Heart of Its Own. These are very full harmonies, and I'm guessing that both Jeff and Tom doubled each other's harmonies to get that richness and fullness. So probably four or five uh, vocal tracks there, I would think. But the harmonies are also dialed back just a little bit in the mix, and it gives the chorus, it sort of gives it that feel of almost a, a, like a 60s R&B song. So all those early influences that Tom's leaning into rhythmically 
bleeding over into other parts of the song. So he's taking inspiration from that same sort of era, just in a different way. There's a nice little trick at the end of the chorus, though, too. The first two passes through the progression are simply a mind with a heart of its own. Then we have a vocalized third pass that do, 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 do like, you know, that little do, 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 do. You know what I mean? Do, do. Um, not that kind of do, do. Uh, before the A chord, though, and the, that last chord then is an A chord, in the last line, it's switched from an A minor to provide a little tension coming back out of this section on, the, on that last own. Um, and these chords are also left to ring, and the drums drop out for that last bar. And we talked a fair bit about program drums on this record, but to my ear, this sounds 100% acoustic in the tubs department. There's a richness and a resonance to the snare especially that you simply don't get in 1989 from a drum sample. There's also a shaker being played throughout this track on the 16th note that's mixed really nicely so that it just, it just fills out um, the very simple two-step backbeat that Phil Jones is playing. Heading into the second verse, we get more slide guitar from Mike Campbell and we plunge headlong into that great beat. A little addition to this section is the synth pad that sweeps up from the words hurricane business. And for those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, you'll notice that I almost always leave the lyrics until close to the end. I don't know why, it's just a habit I fell into, but I think this is a good time to say that this is a classic piece of whimsical tapestry weaving from Tom. He's not telling a specific story here, just throwing a whole lot of characters out onto the streets of the song and letting them run amok in the groove. While the man out to end us had a hurricane business, he'd raised them from babies all by himself. This is where I think you really feel that sort of that Bob Dylan slash John Lennon influence, uh, which in turn takes its cue from, you know, Edward Lear and Lewis Carroll. What on earth is a hurricane business? And how does one raise hurricanes from babies? What are baby hurricanes called? Juvicans? Hurricanes? I don't know. It doesn't matter because the imagery is just fun and funny. After this, we find out that the hurricane daddy has an accountant that had become surrounded. By what we don't know, but he drank up the party and everyone left. Just absolutely brilliant and starkly contrasted with the more real-world vignette of the girl in the field watching the men with the tall hats and the coattails in the first verse. Now, there's a great line, possibly the best line in the song in the third verse, but let's wait till we get there. The second chorus runs through in identical fashion to the first, closing on the minor and the hung chord to lead straight back into the third verse, which was completely improvised on the spot. Paul Zolo comments that sometimes songs just seem to fall together for you if you're in the right place. Tom says, well, that one did because I had a couple of verses, but I couldn't come up with the third one. So Jeff, Jeff Lynn, just said, come out and do the ones you've got. When it came to the third one, I just threw that in. And again, it's such a Dylan-esque bit of throwaway silliness, but it's delightful. I love the tongue-in-cheek setup of the, the first verse. Well, I've been to Brooker, and I've been to Micanopy. It's just hilarious to me that someone's bragging about having visited a town of 300 people and a town of 650 people before going on to mention, almost as an afterthought, that he's also been to the sprawling metropolis of St. Louis. Before closing out with the line, I've been all around the world. And I did a bit of Googling and learned that Micanopy is 17 minutes away from Gainesville by car. Brooker's another seven minutes, all the way in Bradford County rather than Alachua, but hardly the other end of the state, never mind the world. Now, St. Louis is 13 hours drive in fairness, but the idea of ending that line with, I've been all around the world, after staying within you know, four states of home, is it's just incredibly funny to me. And the verse gets better from here. I've been over to your house and you've been over sometimes to my house. And that's a giveaway to this being sort of, you know, improvised. There's no way you'd ever actually sit and write that line that way. If you were writing that or revising or, re- or you know, sort of working on the line, you'd almost certainly, or, or most people would certainly um, drop the word sometimes or place it differently. But with it being ad lib, you get it the way that people actually talk rather than write, which just gives it bags and bags of charm. And we're still not done. The real kicker is in the last line of this verse. I've slept in your treehouse, 
my middle name is Earl. Just utterly glorious. It sort of tells the tale of a close relationship on the one hand, and then you get this weird bit of nomenclature. Oh, well, you know, I think in America you call it nomenclature. Nomenclature. Something like that. Anyway, nomenclature is English, and nomenclature is American. You know what I'm talking about. And it just comes out of the blue. And I just really love the way he draws that middle name. Earl. Like, I don't know. I, I can't do it. He's clearly just having a blast with this lyric, and thank goodness they just ran with it and didn't go back to find something different. I do wonder whether the friend whose treehouse he slept in is the same girl from the opening verse. There's almost a sort of Forrest and Jenny vibe to it if you link those two verses. She never looked different, but something would change. It's later in the timeline, and the treehouse reference snaps you back to a more sort of age of innocence. And I know this isn't the case because the third verse was Adelaide, but hey, it's fun to paint your own pictures on the canvas that Tom provides sometimes, so I'm going with it. All right, folks, it's time for some petty trivia. Your question from last week was this, which is the only song performed by the Heartbreakers that was co-written by Tom and Ben Montanch? Is it A, Welcome to Hell, B, Melinda, C, Sins of My Youth, or D, Dreamville? Well, the more knowledgeable of you, of course, will know that Ben Montanch actually wrote and sang Welcome to Hell on Mud Crutch 2. But the answer is... Melinda. Now, Melinda is one of those strange tracks in the Tom Petty catalogue, like Black Leather Woman or Dog on the Run, that we only have live performances of rather than a studio recording. Of those three, though, Melinda was played, you know, really quite frequently between 2003 and 2013, and is a song that's well loved by fans as a result of its inclusion on 2009's live anthology, which I'm really excited to dig into with my co host John Paulson at some point. When played live, the track was frequently a, a sort of a platform for Ben Montench to really roll up his sleeves and cut loose on the piano and remind everyone that he was every bit as incredible a musician as the other members of the Heartbreakers. Your question for this week is this. Who is the only member of the Travelling Wilburys who does not appear on Full Moon Fever? And you should be able to rule out one pretty much immediately. Is it A, Jeff Lynne? B, Roy Orbison? C, George Harrison? Or D, Bob Dylan? Okay, back to the song. After that fantastic third verse, the chorus then repeats as it has twice before, with no deviation or addition until we get to that fourth bar, where usually the drums would drop out to lead us back into the verse progression. Instead, we get a seven-note snare fill to come back into the chorus again. Now, you may have been expecting a bridge or a solo somewhere before now, but with this type of rhythm underpinning the song, I think it would be sort of difficult to write something that doesn't take you out of the vibe and feel of it. But after this, this second iteration, we do get the big hung chord and it fades out and you think the song's over. Suckers! Tom, Mike and Jeff aren't done with you yet. The verse progression comes back in and Mike slides us into the outro where we get some yes from Tom and a sweeping harmony vocal a couple of times. And we also get an absolute little gem really late on. Around the 314, you get these great sort of, they're muted arpeggios that you don't think you've heard before. But once you hear them, if you go back and listen to the other choruses, they're always there too but they're buried because of the vocals. This just shows yet again how much bloody guitar there is on this album and how brilliantly Jeff Lynne layers it all up. 
Mike does play a sort of a quasi-solo in the fade-out, and the song just glides away from you. From the end of January to the beginning of March in 1990, the song was an ever-present in the live set list before vanishing back into the vault, never to be played live again. While no official live version of the track has been released, I will add a link to a bootleg version in the episode notes if you want to give that a listen. At 3 minutes 29 seconds, A Mind With A Heart Of Its Own is the longest track on side 2 by almost half a minute, but it blows by so quickly that you would never guess that. Okay, Pettyheads, that's it for this week. A Mind With A Heart Of Its Own is a real sleeper track on Full Moon Fever, I think. Sequencing the penultimate slot on the record, where lesser songs often go to die, this one provides a brilliant pick-me-up after All Right for Now. And John Paulson and I will talk lots about sequencing when we do the album rap episode, which is coming up pretty soon. So it'll be interesting to talk about whether we think this is sequenced in the right place. Um, I adore the swinging groove on this track. I love the densely packed guitars and Tom's excellent vocal delivery. But it's the lyrics that really kick this one up to a level that it might not otherwise sit at for me especially those second and third verses. I know this might be a point too high, but this track just makes me grin like an idiot every time I hear it. And you know what? If music makes you happy, it should be treasured. So I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10. The Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Go check them out on Twitter at Deep Dive Podnet. I'm sure you'll find something there you like. Uh, you can also check out my other podcasts, Seaside Pod Review, a Queen podcast that I do with my best friend Randy Woods, who performs all the music you hear in this podcast, including the theme, uh, which he wrote. Uh, and the Ultimate Catalogue Clash that I co-host with the hardest working man in podcasting, Corey Morissette. Uh, don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Threads. Yeah, I'm on Threads. Um, and YouTube at The Tom Petty Project. And on Twitter, at Tom Petty Project. Go follow, like, subscribe as applicable. And again, please leave a review or a rating if you haven't already done that. Including on Spotify, which now allows ratings. Keep talking to me on social media and I'll keep reading out your comments on the show. And as a final reminder, The Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with The Tom Petty Estate in any way. And when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit official streaming platforms or even go to your local independent record seller and go buy a record, go buy a tape, go buy a CD. If you're looking for official merchandise, go to TomPetty.com. And if you're looking for merchandise for this show, please go to TomPettyProject.com. Don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook if you're not already a member of those, as they're excellent fan communities, and I love hanging out there. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about the very last track from Full Moon Fever, Zombie Zoo. Bye-bye.